3: Numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSAN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
4: Hour number two of a numbers game at VCN The Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, we get tweets at Beating the Book. This is from Mike Ross. Um, listening to your bridge story. That was with Todd Wishnev, as I'm driving over a bridge in Pittsburgh. I like it. Uh, this is from Joe C714. Congrats on your old Miss win. Had a question for you. The guests you have on and people you know, did they start their bankroll with, let's say, 1K or 100K? Did they build up an increase or start with a heavy bankroll? Thanks. I think it's different for everybody. Everybody has a different story on that. Uh, this is from uh, Kiss the Degenerate. Love what you and Todd uh, were doing with the weight loss segment. Lots of a struggle. That's a uh, weight loss bet between Todd Wishnev and Steve Fezik. Lots of a struggle with health. Love to know what Todd struggle with. Is it stress, pizza, ice cream, snickerdoodle cookies? What? Inquiring for a friend. Oh, I think he struggles with with lots of food. He loves food. What, what's Todd's line? He goes, how can there be a God if pizza's this delicious and makes you gain weight? That's, I think that's his line. This is from uh, B. Morianen hope I'm pronouncing that right. He says, I'm from Boston and played hockey growing up. Any weekend night, I'll watch whatever game I can find on TV. Drives my wife nuts. But there are always players to root for against. That was me thinking how he sounds. And then Trader John, uh, what's going on with Joker? Looks like he's uh, dragging too. Well, right now, Novak Djokovic looks to be in good shape. He... uh, is about to be a game away from taking down Sun Kwan in four sets. So he should be on his way. The real question, we bring in Dan Weston, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at Tennis Ratings. Uh, and, of course, he does all of his tennis stuff at Betfair. The single greatest handicapper of any sport for my money on earth. How's that for pressures, Dan Weston. How you doing, Dano?
5: I'm good, Gil. How are
4: you? I'm doing very well. Obviously, the people who listen to the podcast that you and I did with Drew Dinsick, the Beating the Book mm-hmm. podcast. Which, thank you again for joining uh, me on that show. I would, I would. There's no two people on earth I'd rather do that show with. But you That's and fantastic. Drew, you and Drew, were both super bullish on Uber Urkats. He was on death's <laughs> door this morning. Well,
5: it's, yeah, better better to be lucky than good, right? Better to be lucky um, than
4: good. Is did he? Did they? Is it suspended right now?
5: Yeah, so so there's rain in in London for probably the next half an hour or so. Then I think we might get some play this evening. Uh, forecast for next couple of days looks decent. Thursday we're going to get a lot of rain. It looks like, so we might have a bit of an interrupted schedule. I think we're, a lot of tomorrow's games might get rolled over to Wednesday, and they might be playing catch up a little bit uh, over the week. But as you say, Harkxs, I mean, he was visibly frustrated. I don't know if he saw much of the match, but he was. He was visibly very, very mad at the way he was playing. And the match was going generally, um, and then looked like he was got done and dusted. Uh, three, three match points on the on the Fokina serve, and over twenty thousand pounds has been traded on Fokina on Betfair at one point zero one, so one to a hundred. So twenty thousand pounds has been been oh. matched on that. <laughs> and over forty thousand at one point oh two, and almost another fifty thousand at one point zero four. So the money buyers of in in that match are are not in great shape right they now. They are
4: nervous but, beyond belief. Yes. Yeah,
5: with Cats now back at two to one for the for the match.
4: So again, so again, this is sort of the the British betting currency versus the American betting currency. So essentially, people on the exchange market pounded Fokina when he was on the doorstep of victory at really high, high odds. And now it was five, three, three match points in the third set. He'd already won the first two sets or gets it to five to five. The match is suspended. So they are super duper, super duper nervous right now. Um, We'll see if uh, Uber or who was both Dan's and uh, Drew's pick to win that quarter. um, We'll see if he can survive or not. And for those betters are sure. Hoping not that's for sure. Uh, what picks do you have that have not started yet today daniel um
5: so so in in the the women's i'm i'm quite strong against emma radicani who uh I th- and, I th- and this is going to be a theme that we might discuss a little bit if we have time is this this british bias in terms of the the market pricing with with obviously Wimbledon have been played in Britain, and we're seeing a little bit of in the media hype about the British players, and and, and I don't I don't see Raducanu as, as as any kind of value at all against Alison van Uytvanck, who's who's very strong grass, a big server, has done well, won a WTA Challenger title on grass already in the last couple of weeks, and Raducanu is serving a uh, fifty. I think we spoke about in the podcast, fifty four yeah. percent service points won this year. That's not going to get the job done against many players. Now. Yeah, let's uh, let's see but I think that that Vanuit Vank looks a a decent price in that as favorite. I think she's actually shortened up since since I wrote about it for Betfair. And yeah, that's that's one and then in the men's I'm not as super strong on this but I I think Martin Fuksovic is going to struggle a little bit against Alexander Bublik. a pretty inconsistent type but Fuksovic has got back problem that's made him retire in the last two matches and what you don't want. In the round one of a Grand Slam, best of five sets is to have a, a bad back that's forced you to retire in your last two matches. So uh, I'm quite surprised that the market hasn't hasn't gone a little bit stronger on Bublik for that one. All right, so
4: you're on Bublik on the men's side, which last I saw was in the minus 170s range, and you are on Van Udvenk. You and I are actually simpatico on Van Udvenk. and hey. And what's interesting about that is, first of all, uh, listen, those of us who uh, listen to this show, we were all over Emma Raducanu on her run at the U.S. Open. But if you look at like the grass numbers, there is no denying how much better Van Uytvanck's numbers are than Emma Raducanu's. Yeah. And, and even to, to your point, Dan about a bias uh, from the from you know bias towards uh, English players. That's fascinating because a lot, we saw overnight here more money coming in on Raducanu also, and again by the data that makes no sense. Who to whom mm. else would you would you extend this to for those who are listening uh, and might not be familiar with names offhand? You mentioned Jack Draper on the podcast; he'd be mm. another one.
5: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, fun enough, I've actually just uh, written up my my men's preview for tomorrow, and he's he's someone that I discuss in 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 that. The fact that, yes, he's done very well indoors, winning four titles at uh, a challenger level. But those the grass wins that he's picked up so far really aren't against players of of huge repute. And I think that that's influenced the market a little bit too much. And he's facing Zizou Bergs from Belgium, who's um, won his wild card into this tournament after winning the Ilkley Challenger on grass and actually beat some pretty decent players on the surface. So he shouldn't be underestimated here, but Draper is a, a really strong favorite. And, uh, both players are, should be fairly serve oriented I would say in these conditions. And, uh, you can get four and a half games on Bergs on the game handicapper around even money. But the one that I really like, and this is one, that one that drew spoke about, I've done some further research. And I think that the Drew absolutely spot on here is, uh, fading Alistair Gray against uh, Chun-Sing Sen, I should say. Uh, Both have never won a main tour grass match in their career, but Seng is much better uh, on the Challenger Tour He's, he's won two uh, two titles already this year, reached the final in another match. Gray's barely even a challenger level. He's just broken into the top 300 for the first time. And I think this is, again, it's a, oh, he's British. He should be good on grass. But Stenger's <laughs> just a much more accomplished player in general. Um, if he wins this, he's probably going to break into the top 100. Uh, and I think that, yeah, he's, um, he's just simply the better player by a long way.
4: Something in the you can,
5: you, something in the yeah, tennis get, DNA of the Brits
4: that they play well on the grass. I'm
5: sorry, Dan. Finish your
4: thought. And I was saying you can get almost even money on on saying for that. Okay. By the way, Novak Djokovic does win his uh, first round match against uh, Sun Wu Kwan, four sets. uh... Djokovic with the customary, here, take a set, I'll figure this out afterwards kind of thing. So, <laughs> so, so Dan, don't, don't be offended. We do this every time. It's hard enough even when I say some of these names for people to pick up on it. We put it in the newsletter and then people can read it. But while we're doing the show, so forgive me that I'll, I'll repeat what you're saying. First of all, today, you, two are, you are on Alison Van Oetvenk, as am I. Yeah. You are on Alexander Bublik. Tomorrow, hmm. what Dan was just saying, and he's posting this at Betfair, uh, he is, getting back to the British market bias, he is taking on the games line Zizou Bergs. that's Z-I-Z-O-U Bergs plus the games, I'm showing plus five here where I'm looking, uh, against Jack Draper, the Brit. And then the other one, and I want to uh, find it just so I can pronounce it correctly, Dan, is, yep. uh, this is now, this is just on the money line, this one, standard, chun sin Seng. So that the last name is T-S-E-N-G, Chun-Sin Seng uh, over Alistair Gray. And Seng yep. in American betting currency is about minus 141. So those are tomorrow. We first got to get through all of these, I suppose, before those get started. I don't even know how it works. But uh, we could have a scheduling backup. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah.
5: Gil, you couldn't make this up as well. I've got the games going on right now, and her cats are just broken again. Wow. Wow, so
4: from <laughs> death's door uh yeah. your quarter pick has renewed life we shall see that well,
5: seven set three so we'll see <laughs>
4: there are so there are some people on betfair right now who are just dying dying with those bets how much money did you say was was placed on Fukino there late
5: um it's about just over a hundred thousand pounds at one point oh four or below oh my. 25. And 25, twenty five 25. five. Twenty. Well, twenty-five to one on? I should say, or below.
4: Yeah, and one point oh four again sounds yeah. it sounds short, but that's really humongous odds by our when you translate mm. it into minus numbers. Dan, uh, this is going to be best fun. Sport. Yeah, <laughs> great two weeks. We'll we'll talk again uh, maybe later this week if you have a chance.
5: Sounds sounds great. Yeah, look forward to
4: it. Cheers, Gil. Dan Weston, everybody from his lair over there in England, the best handicapper there is in any sport. If I had one bet to make. That's the guy right there. Coming back, Paul Sporer will join us, Wes Reynolds as well, and Ben Wilson on college baseball, and that whole
0: ride that was. Numbers Game, decent these Sports. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
6: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander
3: on v the sports betting network.
4: Back on a Numbers Game, just like the man said, Brett Musburger. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Um, so just a couple clarifications. One, I was mentioning how, like, Tampa Bay didn't get any legit opportunities in that third period, down 2-1. to They had exactly two shots on goal in the third period against Colorado last night. Uh, And then this Uber-Okatz-Alejandro Davidovich-Fakina match, again, on the Beating the Book podcast, I I said, I started out talking about this quarter by saying, I think this quarter's wide open. And both Drew and Dan rejected what I said. They're like, oh, no, no, it's Orkatz's quarter to win. They were adamant about it, and they made bets on it. So Kotz goes down two sets here. Then he goes down 5-3 and apparently was down love 40. Three match points. And Davidovich, Vukina did some ridiculous between-the-legs thing on one of these points and blew it, then blew his serve, and now uh, Davidovich got it all the way to 5-5, five, five, broke again, and now it's minus 110 on each side. And those people on the Betfair exchange probably laid a grip. Oh, my goodness. Tennis. It'll, it'll kill you sometimes. What is Davidovich for Keen if he loses this match? Oh, my God. He's going to vomit all over himself. Ben Wilson knows a thing or two about tennis in addition to college baseball. How you doing, Ben?
8: I'm great, Gil. Look, Herkatch has been, he's killed so many parlays for me over the years. Like He's just, <laughs> he's been my kryptonite. I can't even tell you how many times I've lost uh, having Herkatch in some form or fashion. So I kind of agree with you when you say I don't really trust him in that quarter, even though he's ranked seventh yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but- yeah. Davidovich Fakina too, like he's a guy you can never really sleep on. I mean, he's always gonna be live, even against these top guys.
4: He's always a tough out, that's for sure. By the way, Ben Wilson not in studio. Ben, can you tell everybody why you're not in studio today?
8: <laughs> well, as as somebody who is currently hosting two shows a day, doing the doing my best Gil Alexander impersonation, uh, you you told me uh it was okay to do this from home today. He's, even though I am a, a, a quote unquote schmuck, yeah, but not actually
4: Ben, uh, to, here's how it actually went. Ben said, I can't be in studio. I'm doing another show today. I'm doing two shows. And I said, yeah, what kind of schmuck would do two shows? My God, who would do that?
3: Yeah, pretty um, much.
4: All right. So I just want to go. The reason we want to have you on here again is because I want to drive home one final time. And I know I've done this before. And some people can be like, oh, I thought you said that last week. Yes, because it's like a key sports betting point, which is you went 12-1 and betting college baseball games. 12-1. and is there any greater reason? By the way, I wasn't that far behind you. It wasn't quite 12-1. and 1, But there was chronically undervalued teams in this market. And it's because it's much less liquid. And it just appeared that certain alumni were going to back their teams more than the others were. And I just, I just want to sort of say, as a sports betting case study, how important this is to remember. Not to say that you weren't awesome going 12 and one, not to say there was just market, you know, context that made you go 12 and one, but isn't that really true? Isn't that the real lesson of all of this?
8: Oh, no, no question. And I've been thinking a lot about, because for, and I told you this, uh, you know, we were just texting over the weekend, watching Ole Miss, like the, I had never had a run remotely close to this in any sport. And it's not like I've spent my entire life watching college baseball from February through the end of June each year. It's, I think for me, when I've really thought about, you know, thought about this, Gil, it's the simple fact that, especially in today's, I think, you know, natural betting market where we get so analytically deep into all these games and you can second guess yourself statistically on just about any pregame NFL bet or NBA bet or Major League Baseball bet. And I just found myself with this. like It was so much more instinctual. And, mm-hmm. and, and from doing the prep, and, and at least for me, having seen a lot of these teams in the preseason, And, you know, like very early on kind of saying, okay, I know the books certainly haven't seen these teams as much as I have. So I'm just going to trust with what I've seen. I'm going to trust the factors that I believe make a team successful in the postseason. And I'm kind of just going to, you know, look for line value, obviously, but I'm not really going to let the line or where anything is moving really influence me at all. And that is so rare that we do that because like, how often can you really say that about, you know, handicapping, you know, the NFL week three card, like, you just don't sit there and say, yeah, I'm just going to not even pay attention to any line. I'm just going to bet based on what I think. It's just, it's so hard to do that. And, and yes, going 12 and one, not, not anything I ever would have expected here. And, you know, my strategy was let's just, let's just hone in on these teams that have the pitching depth edges who have the veteran experience who have really deep, deep lineups and just look for numbers where it makes a lot of sense to play them as, as you know, short plus prices or small favorites. and, uh, it's it's kind of a simple strategy, and it's it is as you point out, like it's a classic sports betting example of you know, sometimes just being simple and, and dumbing things down and trusting your own instincts can can really be valuable for as much of a statistical model driven betting world that we live in right now.
4: Not everything is splitting the atom in this racket. <clears throat> Not everything is splitting the atom, and to the and to the point where. You know, sometimes we when we talk about Major League Baseball, it does sound like sometimes we're we're trying to split the atom, and it's like you bang your head against the wall, and it's just it is a thankless kind of thing because Major League Baseball can kill you in the worst kind of way. I'm glad you brought up the NFL, right? Because this is the, that's the other sort of you know cousin to this, which is. Every sport is its own different animal, right? The NFL is the most efficient of all markets. It's the most calibrated of all markets. You would be so ridiculous not to care about what the market is doing. You have to know what it's doing. Um, This is different, and this is why we always say, hey, if you can find another sport, like one of these other sports, as we like to call them, whether that's college baseball, whether that's WNBA, whether it's tennis uh, or golf or something like that, that you are, that you, you know, can really find an edge in, you're going to do so much better in this. And and with the college baseball example, it really was this sort of thing. People ask, Ben, the biggest question Jeff asked me on Friday, like, oh, how are you going to hedge this? Or what are you going to do? What are you thinking about doing? We literally, I bet Ole Miss on the money line on Saturday <laughs> – and bet Ole Miss on the money line and the run line yesterday because the and people there's a, there's going to be a huge segment of this of this uh, audience that's going to be like, well, you're just an idiot. You know what? No, I'm not. Because if you had watched this to make a bet against Ole Miss in those circumstances, by the way, they were a big dog and the money kept going against them on Saturday, and then finally yesterday, by the way, the run line got home by pure accident yesterday. I, I will admit that, um, but it's. The the point is, of all that, is like, was there anything that changed in my assessment of what was happening there? No. Um, could it have been a terrible error? Well, no, because then I had a chance to rethink it before Game 3, right? So it wasn't like I wasn't going to hedge no matter what, but to that point, there was no... To me, there was no sound strategy in having done so before Game 1 or Game 2 anyway. So I guess that's that's the real point. Congratulations on this 12-1. and one. Now you realize, Ben every year now, this is your thing. You get
8: that. I know. I know. It's, it's uh, I don't, and there's no, like, I don't know that I'm going to be doing preseason tournaments. Like it just kind of worked out that way really, really well. And I know, uh, Mike hard, who was who came on primetime action. Yep. I know when you, when you were still hosting week. So we called uh, we called the season opening tournament in, uh, in Arlington. And the first two teams we saw were Auburn and Oklahoma. And it's like, hey, you, you know, you sit down with the coaches and you learn basically every player on these teams. And, I mean, I don't know. I can't, you know, sit here and say that's going to happen every year. And It just kind of like dumb luck worked out that way. And, and I think two of those teams ended up being my regional picks and, you know, and, and did not think those regional plays would end up being in the final eight. So I do. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know how it's going to work out in the future. And I don't know, like, where, you know, I, I'm not sure that the market, though, is really going to change, because as we were talking off air, like this is something that is only relevance for three weeks, a se- three weeks a year. And for those three weeks, it's, I mean, it's barely even discussed. So like to even call it relevant, right. And it's its really only relevant for the actual college world series championship series. And that was when, and that was, was, what was so funny about Saturday was you had people who were clearly betting this for the first time. And they were clearly betting this, like they were betting a major league baseball game where they saw an ACE pitcher in Jake mm-hmm. Bennett for Oklahoma. And I mean, they might as well have been betting uh, Sandy Koufax. I mean, it was like, <laughs> you, you right. know, they just kept, they just kept hammering him over and over. And it's at a certain point you're sitting there and you're like, and there's nobody been paying attention to what we've been saying for the last month. Like these teams are pretty much equal. You maybe give Oklahoma a slight, slight edge because of the pitching, but it shouldn't be a dollar 60 or 70. Exactly. Like that was just ridiculous. So yeah. crazy.
4: All right. We have a minute left yet. Did you make any tennis bets today? Wimbledon?
8: Uh, I, I did not. I, I am going to be getting, so to be perfectly honest, and like, as we were talking about when I was on a couple weeks ago, I really didn't make any U S open golf bets, and, which is very un, uncharacteristic for me. I only made a couple. And I have not made any tennis futures before. And I I, ca- I will admit I've kind of been all in on the, on the college baseball thing. Yeah. Like, I've gotten so into it. Uh, I am going to be getting into it. I mean I have the uh, my Apple TV quad box set up right now, oh. which is great. I got I got the four I have the four matches at once, which is the best way to watch Wimbledon uh, for my home uh, bunker here, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I will be I will be I don't have anything today, but I will be starting to uh, make bets beginning tomorrow. All right. So and what, what
4: and you're hosting primetime action tonight? Is that what you're doing?
8: Yeah, uh, betting across America from uh, 3 to 4 Eastern and then primetime action tonight. Look at this guy. He's actually doing two shows. He wasn't kidding. Is I Jeff- wasn't kidding.
4: And and then moving forward, are you or on primetime, are you the Monday, Tuesday guy? What? How does it work out of the
8: week? Yeah, Monday, Tuesday. And yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, me, Jeff Parles, and Wes Reynolds. We're like the trio filling the the, uh, the large shoes of Young Gil. It's a, it's a tremendous honor.
4: You're Monday, Tuesday. Wes is Wednesday, Thursday. Wes is about to join us. And then Jeff Parlay. All right. Let's own. go. Let's go. Ben, congratulations on the 12 to 1, man. Enjoy Thanks, it. Joe. Absorb it. Don't move on quite yet. Just take it in. I will. Thank you. The great Ben Wilson, everybody. Multiple show hosts here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Speaking of which, Wes Reynolds joins us next. The Michigas that was golf yesterday, the Travelers. We'll talk about that in the Open Championship with Wes next. Numbers game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
3: A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN, the sports
4: betting network. The VSEN summer special is here for only $19. You get everything VSEN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VSEN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSEN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Points Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream, whatever you want at the cost, is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at slash summer. Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, some uh, and NBA news?
7: Yes, uh, from Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News, which, by the way, shout out to Christian, who is just a wonderful person who I've had on shows at oh. this network and back in Columbia. Very nice. Uh, before uh, he uh, was at the Daily News working for SB Nation. Sources tell uh, Christian Kyrie Irving has requested and received permission. From the Nets to find, sign, and trade offers from other teams. Also in said tweet, Kevin Durant still hasn't talked to the Nets front office, and Russell Westbrook to Brooklyn remains unlikely. Russell Westbrook
4: to anywhere remains unlikely. Right. I mean, like, what? who's, who's making room for that? By the way, Bradley Beal sounds like he's sticking around in Washington, too. Bradley Beal apparently content to be the guy on, like, a really bad team forever. So the Kyrie thing is interesting because, well, for all kinds of reasons, right? You obviously can't bet Brooklyn now. You know, that's the first thing. And the KD thing, like, he's not talking to the Nets. What's he mad at the Nets about? Shouldn't he be mad at his boy? Blaming the front office, not Kyrie, which is insanity to me. And of course it is. His buddy Kyrie is like, come on. Kyrie's not the problem for all of this stuff? Kyrie is... is Patient zero for problems. And KD, who knows where he ends up now? You imagine, after all that, leaving the Warriors for this nonsense. Unbelievable. So Kyrie, the, the Nets appear to be way over Kyrie at this point. And clearly, there's the manifestation of it. We bring in Wes Reynolds, everybody, to the show. Wes Reynolds, the glue that holds this whole operation together. Uh, multiple shows that you can find him on on seemingly a daily basis. And, of course, the co-host of Long Shots, the greatest golf betting show there ever was. Wes Reynolds joins us now. Wes Reynolds won. How you doing, Wes?
3: Good morning, Gil. How are you?
4: I'm doing very well. Uh, Reed Fowler, our uh, mutual friend and buddy who works over at DraftKings, he's a PGA and NFL uh, draft, uh, NFL analyst over there, not just draft, but NFL, period. Uh, he had Sahith Tagala yesterday at 150-1. to 1 to win the Travelers. And Xander Schauffele ends up winning by two strokes over Thegala. Could you explain to people what went down with Thegala at the end of that
3: tournament? Yeah, is still trying to get that kind of permanent PGA Tour status. If you remember earlier this year, he was right in the mix at the Phoenix Open, then it went sideways for him on 17 on Sunday and he ends up out of the playoff that Scotty Scheffler eventually won over Patrick Cantlay, but gala look, just kind of hung in there all day, and Xander Shopley and Patrick Cantlay, when you watched at the end of Saturday, you thought, okay, it's going to be a showdown between these two guys. And then Shopley kind of stayed in place. Patrick Cantlay absolutely fell off the planet. Patrick Cantlay became Patrick Can't Play. But Figala is the guy that was kind of lurking and really hung in there all day, birdied 17, actually, and, and hit a shot into a divot and ended up still making birdie. So he had the lead by one over Xander Shopley going into 18. I think Shopley was like a group behind in the final pairing. And then Segala hits his drive into a bunker on the 18th, and it's right against the lip here. So it's like, okay, do I go for Do I take my medicine and hope maybe I can get up and down from the fairway or even make bogey and perhaps end up in a playoff? Well, he doesn't. His shot, I, I think shot link officially uh, measured the length about four inches because he hit the bunker, but the ball didn't go out of the bunker. So there you go. He made eventually made double bogey at about, I think, a 12-footer for bogey. Couldn't make it. It lips out on the left side. It was kind of, you could see it was kind of trending toward the left and then it caught a piece of the hole. So you thought, okay, inside left edge, and then it lips out. Shoffley then eventually takes dead aim from the fairway, hits it to about five feet, makes birdie, and it's a two-shot victory. But that's what it's going to look like when you look at at the leaderboard. But it was anything but easy for Xander Shoffley.
4: Oh, bro. I feel so bad for Reed. 150 to one. Did you have Shoffley?
3: I did not. Uh, My winner was over on the DP World Tour with Ha-Tong Lee, who, by the way, had his own unique circumstances, hit about the worst chip shot you'll ever see on a playoff hole, goes over the hole on the other side of the green to 50 feet. But what does he do? He makes birdie from 50 feet and uh, best Thomas Peters in the playoffs. So the only runner I had at the Travelers was Patrick Cantlay, and he was just it's time to maybe start asking some questions. This guy's I'm, number four in the world, and he does not look it at it all.
4: Wes, it's like we're sharing a brain. I literally, before you we were coming on, because I had Patrick Cantlay in my one and done with uh, Matt and Kelly on primetime. We still do our one and done together on that show because we want to finish out the year. Very heated one and done between the three of us. And I had Patrick Cantlay. And Cantlay was, what, one stroke down heading into the final round. And I'm thinking, okay, because they had Mito Pereira, Mito missed the cut, terrible last few holes uh, in round number two. And I'm like, okay, I'm about to bury Matt and Kelly with, with the purse that I'm going to get on this tournament. And then Cantlay does what he does, right? Like he just absolutely gacks the final round. And I think exactly how you put it, we got to start asking questions, right? Like where do you stand on this guy?
3: Yeah, he should be better. I mean, we, we've we kind of made a little bit about the fact that he has not been very good in majors. I think he has one top five in, like, 21 starts in majors, 21 career starts, and that was in 2019 he was T3 at the Masters, and it's like – Gosh, he's he's such a good player. It's like you gotta back this guy. You gotta back this guy. He's number four in the world, and it seems like he's so far under the radar. Uh, remember that playoff last year against Bryson DeChambeau that went like six holes, and uh, the nickname Patty Ice because he was ice cold against Bryson DeChambeau. He absolutely, you know, stuck with him and and you know really frustrated DeChambeau and won that playoff in the FedEx Cup. Went on to win the FedEx Cup. But you just look at some of the numbers yesterday. He lost. Three strokes on approach, just in the fourth round. He lost almost two strokes putting on the green. So strokes gained total yesterday minus six point three two. Cheedy green about minus four and a half. And you know it's time to maybe ask questions about Cantlay, and perhaps even if play. Uh, did, you know, if he had not won yesterday, I even tweeted out while we were monitoring the final round, I was like, maybe it's time to ask questions about this guy. Because I'm like, if you can't close out to Figala and J.T. Poston and the amateur Michael T.R. Borenson, then you've got some issues here. And that's kind of been the bugaboo with Xander Shapley. He's not able to win these, like, full-field 72-hole events. He wins these short-field events, the WGCs and, of course, one Olympic gold in Tokyo. But you know, that's how hard it is to win on the PGA Tour, and maybe that's why a lot of these guys are leaving, plus the boatload of money that they're getting.
4: You surprised at all, Matthew Wolf, or just nonplussed by it, going to live?
3: No, I'm really not. And and you look at the guys that are going over to this tour, Gil. These are not guys right now that I think are kind of at their peak, yeah. shall we say, of, of their games. These are not Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and these guys they're playing well seemingly on a weekly basis these are guys even even Dustin Johnson who I think is the best player on on the tour and the world rankings would indicate as such this guy had won in a year and a half so you know you're wondering okay are these guys kind of having that self-realization that okay maybe we're not at the peak of our game they're offering us a bunch of money it's guaranteed no cut event 48 players, so we'll go ahead and play in this thing and get the cast. So that's why you're seeing the Patrick Reeds and Look, Brooks Capka. who would have who thought that earlier this year based on his comments? But, uh, you know, it's like the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase said in the 1980s, Gil. Everybody's got a price.
4: <laughs> I think we all remember that, Wes. No question about it. Uh, all right, we have about 90 seconds left. And, I, of course, this is my contractual obligation to ask you every week on the run-up, two and a half weeks away from the Open Championship, any bets at it? Who you got currently?
3: You know, nobody right now, Gil. Just kind of looking at the top of the market, we have seen Rory McElroy emerge as the clear favorite. It's kind of been a trio of favorites. It's been Rom, It's been Scheffler, It's been Rory McElroy. So just looking at the top there, no real bets yet. I want to see what the lead-up is going to be because you're probably not going to get a lot of these guys play until the open championship unless they play that scottish open the week before which is now a co-sanctioned event with the pga tour because a lot of the schedule got moved around because they know guys want to go over there so I'm going to be looking a lot at at that event to see what's going on because you're not getting a lot of links golf play going in. But we'll have something up. It is the old course at St. Andrews, which is hosted, I believe now, 29 open championships by far more than any other course. So uh, excited for the uh, fourth major of the year to see who is going to be the champion golfer of the year.
4: Yes, absolutely. As we always are. Uh, Will you bet the Oregon leg of the live tour this week, you think?
3: Uh, I'm going to have to look to see who's in the field because uh, when guys enter the field, we hear somebody every day. It's like Brooks Kepka's coming, DeShambo's coming. Well, that means somebody's going out somebody's and somebody out. becomes an expendable asset because yeah. you're not going to than 48 players. So I will be looking to see who's going to be confirmed and have that written up. That'll be out in BSW on Wednesday.
4: On Wednesday, the great Wes Reynolds at Wes Reynolds won the number one. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate it as you always. Thank you. You too. Wes Reynolds, everybody, here on The Numbers Game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Paul Spohr on Major League Baseball next.
6: The numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports
5: betting network.
4: BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards, sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers incredible experiences and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. We have multiple screens here at the uh, South Point studio. And it just so happens that right as we were talking to Wes, and just a few minutes after we got off the air, Golf Channel is right at the moment in the Travelers yesterday where Thegala just absolutely gacks that shot out of the bunker. That ball didn't even get airborne. Just hit the lip, didn't get out. What a mess he made of 18. Oh, man, double bogey. And Shafley cool as a cucumber, gets it done with the win. Three-stroke uh, turn on that last hole, was it? What did you say, the Gallup Before the last round was eighty to one, some
7: massive number that I saw uh, here in town. Yeah, because I mean it was sharply and cantley. That's yeah. what we, that's what we thought going into yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I, thank goodness because I can, I considered it, and I feel bad for Reed Fowler uh, as you said.
4: It just just feels brutal. I felt so bad for Reed. It felt so bad for him because you those moments don't come up too often, right? Where you have stuff like that, and then. You want to take advantage of what it does, and to lose it that way, oh, brutality. Especially also, like, I was like, I guess I shouldn't tell you, I just won on Ole Miss, should I? You know, so you feel bad in that respect. it reads such a great dude. Um, ladies and gentlemen, he is always about baseball. Fan graphs, Sleeper in the Bus podcast, Twi- uh, excuse me, twitch.tv slash spore, where you can watch him play MLB the show. It's Paul Spore. How you doing, Paulie? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing very well. Oh, a little mustache going now? All right.
9: All right. No, no, honestly, the mustache has been there. You're just noticing it because oh, I don't have a hat. Because you don't have a hat on. That's so the difference. So that's the what no it hat. is. The hat distracts from the mustache. You're absolutely Correct.
4: right. Correct. Um, I asked this of Jeff earlier. I'll ask this of you. We'll start out with this. Astros and Yankees just played such a great series. hmm Are we at the point already where we're like, listen, as random as the baseball postseason is, those are clearly the two teams on a collision course for the ALCS at this point?
9: At this point, sure. But of course, the playoffs have a way of uh, not exactly playing out as expected. It certainly seems like both those teams are going to be in the playoffs. It would take pretty epic collapses uh, from either to not make it. So then will they they meet in the LCS? Uh, Will it line up for them to do so? Will the seeding? you know, match for all that too. But yeah, I mean, they're the two best teams in the American league. That's really nothing against the twins. It's more to say about the Yankees and Astros, but they are headed there. And listen, it's a little stock, you know, it's a little bit the chalk, but it'd be a great series in the playoffs too.
4: Who is the club in the American league outside of those two that in a playoff series has the setup, has the roster construction. I'm talking pitching primarily that has the best chance at toppling either
9: of those teams. I might surprise you with this one, but I know what you're going to say.
4: Oh, no, I thought you could say Red Sox when you
9: said surprise Cleveland. No, you know, I hate Red Sox I pitching, but that, they're going to make me look stupid again. They're already <laughs> playing well. Uh, I just, I don't trust their pitching. It's been better though. It has been better. And it's interesting, by the way, that Dave Bush is their pitching coach. Dave Bush was known in the fantasy community as being somebody who always had Encouraging underlying skills, but never quite never quite got to those skills in terms of like you know his FIP would be would be much better than his ERA. In fact, I'm looking right now, Uh, and you got a few years there where like a 398 FIP, 441 ERA. So he was known for that. Dave Bush was that's their pitching coach in Boston. His players are doing the opposite. They've all got like weak skills. And yet their ERAs are great. So it's weird that he of all people has kind of flipped that that notion on its head there where he's got these guys that are kind of overperforming their skills, where he consistently underperformed his usually because of home runs, but he's got the home run suppression down. So maybe Dave Bush gave up so many home runs in his career that he's like, if I ever coach, I will teach people to never give up home runs because they <laughs> they kind of stank his career a little bit. So again, I, I, I do respect Boston as a good team. Their offense is great. They're pitching better. I'm not as vehemently against them as I was last year with their pitching, but I still don't fully trust it. I just really, really don't. Nine games in Major League Baseball today before we get to your DFS, which, by
4: the way, there's a Coors game, so all DFS Mm -hmm. thoughts start at Coors. But just from a uh, betting perspective, uh, athletics at the Yankees, it's Blackburn going for the athletics. Paul Blackburn with his 2.97 ERA. Um, The Yankees are minus 300 With Blackburn, the A's are plus 250. I was mentioning earlier that the Yankees are one game behind the 2001 Mariners of 116 wins this point in the season. Um, Plus 250 on the athletics, not even a thought.
9: No, not really. I mean, especially because Paul Blackburn, for what he's doing this year, you could know, put him on the red socks if, if you catch my drift based on what i just was saying mm-hmm. about kind of overplaying your, your core metrics he has done things that have made him better i've actually was an early believer on paul blackburn uh that with the uh, elevated velo and the secondary stuff just kind of an overall command like e- little incremental things there is no smoking gun with with paul blackburn there's not a new pitch there's not new mechanics there's no trip to driveline that i'm aware of or anything like that it's a bunch of little things fastball command is better the velo is better the off-speed stuff's a little bit better and it adds Adds up to him playing well. He is over his head though, and can you trust that offense to score against no, anybody, let alone no. Jordan Montgomery? So the best I could maybe do is a, is a first five and, and try to get lucky there. I know the odds won't be as good, but that's the best I could do. Otherwise, I think you're just throwing away money. This is
4: totally putting you on the spot. Random question, but like, where do you rank this A's offense,
9: like historically? How... Oh my god! I mean, it's it's so inept. Like that, there is nothing. There is nothing there. And, you know, one of the things is I, one of the reasons I didn't think they were going to just be like flat out, you know, worst team in the league type is I just thought that usually when they have bottom out seasons, they, uh, they bring up the guys that they got in these deals and they end up having some guys that play pretty well, but you know, they're young, they're inexperienced. So they're not that good. This offense is like old. Uh, and inexperienced and bad. And they're inexperienced because they haven't been good. So they got much like 28 to to like 31 year olds. And it's just, it's just bad. It's really, really bad. And their best hitters are kind of all or nothing guys like a Sean Murphy who was in 222, but, and has a sub 300 OBP has a little bit of pop to him. Same with like a Seth Brown, um, you know, Ramon Loriano. It's bad. It's awful Gil. It is. It is really bad. It is just, it's hard to watch.
4: What about Martin Perez, sub two ERA at Kansas City? Uh, the the never just like the always he should be on the Red
9: Sox. By the way, he should go back to the Red
4: Sox. Martin Perez, for them. Yeah. yeah, back on um, the Rangers after starting his career there. They're only they're only minus one thirty two. Is the point of this question? What do you think there? Yes,
9: I, I think that's perfectly fine to get on. I, I was saying earlier, I think last week that like I'm going to fade Perez all the way. Uh, this numbers is too good. To do that. Like you're not getting nearly a good enough number to go against him there with K C, which I get because Chris Bubich is pitching. He just got his ERA under nine last time. So I'm okay going with Perez here because they've got some interesting players. You got some offense that you could spike there against K C. Generally, I am worried about this though. It, it it cannot hold at this level. Will it be a gradual comeback to the pack or will it be Colossal, and there'll be like a nine earned run game. KC's not the team to really do that, though, either. Jason Vargas 2017, go look at his season. That's what this is for Martin Perez. Oh, Jason Vargas, remember him well. Remember betting against and
4: for many, many times. I know, rather, I should say. My Some buddy of-
9: Nick Pollock calls it the Vargas rule ever since then. Just like these guys that kind of spike crazy goodness. Uh-huh. You ride it till you can't, but it will come back to the pack. He had a 220. 220- he had a 222 ERA through June, Gail. He ended with a 416. So that tells you how bad those last three months were. Boy. It can happen to Martin Perez, too. It's like the same thing will probably happen. I just think about all the hours spent betting on randoms like Jason Vargas. <laughs> just and re- studying them.
4: Yeah, yeah you got to just question your life. Um, okay, <laughs> DFS, we have a minute here. Again, we started Coors. What do you got today?
9: I'm going to pivot away from Coors. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can find something away from Coors Coors has not been that friendly to me this year. So maybe I'm just missing the few times that it's spiked big. I mean, especially early in the season, you know, using Coors when there was no offense going on, they weren't adding to it. Coors was also feeling the offensive, uh, uh, you know, coldness there. I'll go with the Toronto stack. Speaking of Boston pitching, they're throwing Connor Seabold today. So I'll go Kirk, Guerrero, Teoscar and Springer in a lineup there. Uh, George Kirby as, as one of my pitchers. I'm interested a little bit in Giolito. He is struggling right now, but he is going to have cheaper prices in DraftKings. He's 8,300 right now. I don't know if I would take him today, but I I can't quite throw Giolito out. The home runs are an issue. He's getting hit a lot harder. This won't fix itself magically, but I do believe in him to kind of get himself right. He built himself up here, by the way. This was not a Don Cooper thing with Giolito. So I think he'll get himself back on track. It might not be tonight against the angels though. So Toronto stack, Throw in Trey Turner with it as well. Maybe
4: get one piece of Colorado. Gianlino, what a what a fascinating career! Like legitimate bottom of the barrel at FanGraphs to elite yep. to oh boy, they're
9: we'll struggling a little bit right now. Struggling, but he can get out of it. Struggling, he can get out of it.
4: He can for sure. Paul, thank
9: you as always, sir. Thanks. Take care, Gil.
4: At Sporer S P O R E R on the Twitter machine. We've done all we can do. The Lombardi Line is next with Patrick
0: Maher, Visiting Sports Betting Network.